got some video going on bro you like this nice custom not really custom tie-dye chief shirt oh that's nice anyways uh <laughs> hey remember we're not allowed to talk about sports fuck you it's our show you spill knows where the skip button is but then again he is our only loyal listening to listener so we should probably cater to him a little bit hey brent mm-hmm. do you know what time it is it's turtle time because folks it's here i've been listening hearing rumors and getting excited for this movie for a very long time probably like five years since they announced that seth rogan was producing a animated tmnt movie and we finally got our first look at the animation our first listen to the voice cast our first glance at the expanded cast of side characters which is ridiculously star-studded and and nearly every casting is pitch perfect uh and that is that we got the trailer really it's a teaser because we only get to see like little looks at the turtles and none of the villains but for tmnt teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem and this is just that because like i said they have a ridiculously stacked cast full of actors playing almost every mutant under the sun that we've seen throughout the Turtles universe. People like Lockjaw, Superfly, uh, Ray Filet, like these deep cut characters. It's not like they're just going up against Shredder or Kang like we've seen a dozen other times. This is a new original movie. It's a movie that definitely is already seems like it's focusing on them as younger kids because they went and got out young voice actors to play the Turtles. And hopefully we can, like, grow up with these kids in this franchise and get a couple of movies with them and build out this universe. Well, how we said before, like, this is another... uh, Seth Rogen produced uh, a production, I I guess, in a way. Like, he doesn't have his own studio, but, like... Yes, he he does. What's it called? It's like Point Grey, isn't it? It is. Well, then yeah, that's cool. I'm pretty sure Point Grey. It's like that opening where it's like graffiti written on a desk. Yeah. So, I mean, he's up there in terms of like what, like being able to have solid production. I mean, he produces the boys, uh, Preacher, Invincible. Like he has his his stamp in like adapting solids. Uh, I guess content from source material. Uh, there, there's the sentence I've been trying to say for three minutes. Uh, but yeah, it has Seth, Seth Rogen, and he's also has established like a very solid cast around the Turtles as well. You got Jackie Chan playing Splinter, which I think is really cool. Ayo Edebri, who was the second lead in the TV show The Bear, which is really exciting to see. Uh, she's getting parts. And then you have your, uh, which is going to be really cool, John Cena and Seth Rogen voicing Bebop and Rocksteady. Bebop! Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm... It has Paul Rudd. The one thing that's right off the bat that's going to be interesting is that there's no Shredder, yeah. which it this is a successful film, which I have no doubt it, it I mean, it will be. I drafted in a box office draft and that, that, that should help me out. But, uh, dude, I, I, I look at your list and I'm like, these are all my movies. Yeah. The, well, I had to change my game. I had yeah. to change my game. So I think this is going to be a, I mean, April, no, April, April. Hello. Uh, This is August 4th, which is like prime. Like we're going to make money at the end of the summer. 
Dude, I, I think August, this, August, September was barren last year. I so. was worried with the animation style because of some like early promo that I saw. But when the trailer fully dropped, I was like, this is awesome. I, I know everyone our age group grew up with this in the 90s. Like at some point you had Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles on the TV. I think the style they chose to do with this animation is honestly brilliant because like you have to find a way to stay different from the other uh, sources that have been adapted. I mean, we don't need to talk about the Michael Bay films, but they're out there. We've had another animated film of this before, and we have plenty of like the shorter feature animated films, and then the plenty TV of shows that yeah Nickelodeon rebooted. series like one, like, like it, multiple of yeah. which have had long spanning season runs that like have like span multiple story arcs. So there is so much to I, pull. I, I, I want to elaborate more on this, but I know we can just go deeper into yes. like the well of like what I watched in the nineties. But uh, I was really big on uh, Johnny Quest. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. And which like, one, wait, which ver- like which version? The original Hanna Barbera version, or the one where it was like weird and it was like original. in the early days of three D. Like uh, it was the original. Okay. There's because like Haji had like psychic powers in the new one. It was really weird. I. I remember when I was like first getting into like cinema and whatnot, and there was about to be a a Johnny Quest movie, and I was like so ecstatic because like that's just what I grew up grew up with in my childhood. Um, maybe I should like adapt. Okay, I'm not maybe I should it. adapt it. Hold on, I I'm Google searching this right now. Yeah, like back in 2018 hmm. uh chris mckay was going to direct one but that's obviously just kind of in development hell but i is that was chris one Mc... wait chris mckay is the director of bumblebee wasn't he no that was that was travis knight uh knight. this was the guy that did um lego movie one of the directors mm-hmm. from LEGO. i'm just there's there's like we could tap on some of our cartoons we beloved watched and the do you remember um Johnny Bravo, like yeah. for the longest time, they want to adapt that. Like, there's so many like areas they where can't. They, you can't make Johnny Bravo today in, in this in this world of cancel culture. He doesn't work anymore. I'm saying there's if this it's interesting to see like where we can go and like, I mean, Seth Rogen could be raunchy. Like, why not adapt something that um like the like Harvey Birdman? I'm just getting carried away. <laughs> like, like let's let's yeah. But well, back to the world of turtles, it's just crazy that like, like you've said, like all these different shows and cartoons have had their time to shine and had their chances to like uh, make film adaptations and like expand their their brand. But the turtles have been there since like their like since their birth, essentially, as an idea, it, it was a comic book based off of it's literally based off of daredevil and fun fact if you ask the creator of the teenage mutant ninja turtles he will tell you that the same ooze that turns the turtles into ninja turtles is what blinded daredevil in the marvel universe and even though there's no official connection and the turtles have just been around for forever they have everyone has their favorite four turtles or whatever and everyone has the turtle that they identify with most but like I said, I'm just glad we're getting a new gang, a, a younger gang, really leaning into the teenage aspect of the TMNT. And I, I really can't wait to see them just going up against all these different mutants in this insane. I mean, Spider-Verse changed the game when it comes to animation. Like, you can't just, like, slap some shit up there on the screen in a, from a computer 
that you like and and like have voiceover over it like there is a new realm of animation and it's this comic book-esque almost drawing style that is pretty it's almost like it's a drawing it's like a flip book it's stop motion but it's like a bunch of drawings flip through and i know that's what animation is literally but like there's almost like that delayed stagger that you kind of see in the animation and I don't know. I'm just very up for it. I think the action in this animation style will look amazing. I think the comedy, like you said, Seth Rogen is a com- is a comedic juggernaut. So I can only imagine how funny this movie is going to be. And I just cannot wait. Yes. Yeah. Um, going into uh, we. Well, shoot, I guess we can do our next one. We have. um and then, I mean, I guess anticipated for some folks, but the new remake of Haunted Mansion, it it's happening. I, I don't wow, know. Wow, way to way to beeline on me. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I figured we would just do the heavy hitters first, you know. I thought we were uh, only doing TMNT and Ghosted. I forgot about Haunted Mansion. I like cut that one off. Oh well, I came I came surprising you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but th- I mean, this film. It it sounds good on paper, obviously, because of its of its cast. I mean, Woody Harrelson is definitely in like that revamped mode where he can get casted in Not a lot in of this things. Movie. Did I say something stupid? You said Woody Harrelson is in this. Oh, that's my bad. Um, Owen Wilson. There you I go. Said Owen Wilson. Uh, Rosario Dawson, Tiffany Haddish, Jared Leto, which I didn't see him in the trailer. Yeah, so because he's gonna be the motherfucking hatbox ghost, and it sucks. Okay, so there's obviously the <laughs> uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Jamie Lee Curtis, Danny DeVito, uh, Dan, uh, Dan Le- Oh, I didn't even see him. I didn't even see any of these guys in the trailer. Danny DeVito was for sure in it. Winona Ryder? I didn't see, what? Okay, now I'm interested. Winona uh, was I, not. They're holding, they, I mean, they're, they only, um, really, I think great. they only showed really the human characters. Plus, you did get like a clip of Jamie Lee as Madame D- Leota at the end, but it seems like it was when she was still alive and before she was a ghost. I So a lot of these people that are cast in this movie that we haven't seen in the trailer, I got to imagine they're withholding to see the ghost versions of those characters once the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Or at least till the next trailer. But this one, the trailer just gave me too much of the Eddie Murphy vibes, man. Another family just like locking themselves in a haunted house and having to like survive the night. And that's not what I want, bro. There is a built-in story and history to the Haunted Mansion ride in Disney, whether it's the the northern style mansion of the of the Florida um parks or the like southern plantation style mansion of Disneyland. And I'm pretty sure they're doing the Disneyland one and it's set in New Orleans. And that one specifically has like a backstory that they actually kind of lean into in the Eddie Murphy one with Constance Hatchaway, the like murdering bride, whatever, the widowed bride and all this stuff. This is all from the ride. And I know they're going to like actually give us that and Madame Leota and the Hatbox Ghost and like these things that these Disney fans want to see. But they gave us those things in the Eddie Murphy one and it was up to the stuff that was happening around the mansion to be entertaining and it just wasn't. And just throwing a bunch of stars in a haunted house kind of feels more like this is the Muppet movie version special of like the the Muppets haunted mansion than it does feel like a like attempt at making a true horror movie in the vein of Disney 
that is also for kids but can also scare your britches off. And I don't think that's what this is going to be. And I'm I I the Haunted Mansion is like top 3 favorite rides of all the Disney Corporation and if I don't know, I'm just gonna, I got high standards for this movie. And usually you would think I would come in here and just fucking blow this movie's dick because I love Disney so much, but I just have too many things that I want from this movie that I just don't think that they can sell. The interesting thing to me here is like how these films continue to be successful and they continue to make them. I mean, we just had the Jungle Cruise more recently, and then I know they announced another uh, from previous years past Tower of Terror. Like there's some strange franchise with it. What's that? With Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some weird franchise of Disney rides that I guess that they're trying to adapt into feature They also, I, I remember seeing rumors about Taron Edgerton doing a movie about Space Mountain, even though they already made the Tomorrowland movie. It's uh, like, yeah. there, there's, I mean, Disneyland and Disney World are just full of these rides and concepts and ideas that the Imagineers came up with, built a ground level story too, that there's just so much room for expansion and great storytelling through the like vein of these already pre-set up stories, like what you got in space mountain or haunted mansion or pirates of the Caribbean, like that yeah, pirates it, of the Caribbean is the perfect example. They took the, the gen, the general idea of a ride yes. and completely changed the narrative around it, creating something totally entertaining, but, Unfortunately, they decided they had to retroactively change the ride to match the movie, which is not something that I think they need to do, and especially something I don't want to see done to the Haunted Mansion after this movie comes out. But, I mean, it's just, it's the way you're using the source material as your jumping off point. You don't have to make a one-to-one copy of the story of your ride, but you have to use the things that the people love from the ride to create a story that they will also love. And we will, I mean, that that we will see because I think the story still might work. You got Lakeith Stanfield and Rosario Dawson as your people trying to survive the night and just them being the, like, just the intrepid actors that they are and the complete personalities that, like, everyone loves. I can't, I can't wait for that portion, but we will definitely see. I concern uh is this comes out a week, july 28th a week after oppenheimer and barbie and then august 4th of the week before the teenage mutant ninja turtles movies Dude, they so moved it, it. they moved it to that date yeah they moved it away mm-hmm. from it was like a week from it was like a week before the like 70th anniversary of the haunted mansion actually and then they moved the date by like a week and a half or something and now it's all fucked up yeah. Um, switching gears to a film that uh, I guess a interesting dra- a drama that I or action drama comedy that I fall myself into. Apple TV released their trailer for Ghosted. Real quick. I mean, you got Chris Evans who feels like he met the girl of his dreams, got ghosted, and sets out to go find her, and it turns out she's uh, Ana de Armas is really just a international spy. And they go on a world of adventure to try and save what the objective is. And where this isn't going to be a masterpiece, folks, it's not, it was never made for that. And I think this is going to obtain and attract the audience that it's supposed to. And I liked how we talked about before. I mean, 
Chris Evans is kind of going against his type where the typecast part where he's not actually playing the hero in this one. He's more like the damsel in distress. And I, I think it's really fun. And we know that uh, D.R. Armis and Evans have great chemistry. They've already been in films together. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, it, it drops on Apple, I believe, in April. Um, so they're they're getting some pretty good content here, I think. And I'm all aboard. I, I think the trailer did enough to get me uh, definitely invested opening day. Let's put it that way. I can only imagine, though, where uh, you got to imagine Ryan Gosling ad- audition for this role. Cause it's it almost seems like something he would do before Chris Evan does. Mm-hmm. Well, what's really neat is this is like the first of three films we get with Chris Evans this year. Uh, out like now that he's finally away from Marvel, he's able to like work, 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 work. He has, uh, I believe, a Netflix film coming out later this year, Pain Hustlers with Emily Blunt, and then he has an Amazon Prime movie coming out later this year with Dwayne Johnson and J.K. Simmons. Uh, called red one so like he's he's oh, in that streaming Santa. atmosphere now yeah so it's i'm i'm curious to see what he has uh we'll we'll, we'll be right here waiting mm-hmm. all right unless you got something else you want to talk about that i am unaware of like haunted mansion let's get on to the show this is how i went i'm not even supposed to be here today Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. No. No, you. You complete me. King of the world! If you don't have a good sense of humor, you're better off dead. 69, dudes! Welcome back to the Sin Arrivals podcast here, folks. We are back from a decent-sized hiatus. About two weeks now since our last episode's posted. We are definitely not keeping up with the weekly releases in 2023. But who gives a fuck? It's our podcast, and we'll do what we want. But anyways, first things first, since we haven't been on the show for quite some time, we do have a plethora of movies to talk about today. And that is pretty much going to be the entirety of this podcast, folks. We got five new movies, new releases we got to see throughout the last three or so weeks, whatever. Some of them we got to see pretty dang early. Uh, I think we only got to watch these like two of them but together because Mr. Brent decided to hightail it back to Florida. Uh, where it is not, dude. Where is that? Is the closest movie theater like forty minutes away or something for you in Gainesville? I mean, it's just it's a drive because you have to go through the university and it's so overcrowded yeah. that it yeah. takes. If you get stopped at the lights, it takes an extra ten minutes just to get through there. And so I, because I always try to like, yeah. That's why those like those four o'clock Thursday showings of premieres was like mm-hmm. kind of nice back then, but I don't have to worry about that shit now. Yeah, but anyways. We'll start right off the bat with a movie that Brent will see. Have you ever done cocaine? Have you ever <laughs> seen the Woods? Ah, speaking you of ever... Florida. Hey, you know what? Speaking of Florida, have you ever done cocaine? Have you done cocaine at any cocaine recently, sir? Uh, uh, I do not have my lawyer if, present. If, yeah, if you haven't, 
there's this bear I got to tell you about who has, and he is fucking crazy. No. Uh, fo- yeah, folks, the first movie is Cocaine Bear, but Brent has yet to watch it, so I'm going to just run through it real quick. Um, the movie is just that, Cocaine Bear. It is about a bear who eats cocaine and goes fucking bonkers and starts killing a bunch of people, and that is exactly what this movie is. Personally, I thought this movie had room to grow. I mean, again, it's as weird of a concept and as one note of a plot as it is. There were way too many characters that they tried to juggle and they like all didn't get their like due diligence. And I really think this movie could have been a little bit more tongue to cheek. It could have leaned harder into what they knew this movie was. And that's that ridiculous B movie that people find in the bowels of like Netflix or Amazon Prime that has three and a half stars, but for some reason it's only 87 minutes and you've never heard of this movie ever. And you just turn it on and you are completely disappointed by how bad it is. But what Cocaine Bear, I thought they were going to do was, I thought they were trying to make that movie that's like you find it's so bad, but you still have a great time watching it. And the problem with Cocaine Bear is it's not that bad. And it's never that crazy. So I just I just needed that much more from the movie, unfortunately. But I want I'm very curious to see how you come away from it all. Yeah. Because again, uh, you know what it is going into it. It's called Cocaine Bear. There's a bear. He's on cocaine. That's the movie. Yeah, I'll get to it within a week or two. Um moving into a a film in which the director I usually have to always defend when I'm talking about him no. with you guys. No, no, no. Um, so I always feel like I have to defend myself when I talk about Guy Ritchie and his films. I don't really have to do it with this one. Um, mm-hmm. This one is just like... You don't you know, have ABC, to or you ABC, can't. ABC. I, I, he has one coming out in a month that I know I will enjoy for sure. Um, which is crazy. This one. this one has just been... in. Not development hell. It's just been on the shelf. Uh, the previous studio that made this film kind of went bankrupt. Uh, STX and there's other films that were waiting for release and finding studios. And this one finally got something and it was just plopped in the middle of March. Uh, I guess the beginning of March. And it, it had a really bad box office run. And if you ask me, I mean, Jason Statham is usually an attention seeker for these action style movies, especially with Guy Ritchie. It just wasn't there for this one. Aubrey Plaza and Josh Hartnett were easily some of the better parts in this film. I still just don't know what was going on. I really don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really. I mean, dude, I really I don't know. Like, it's so weird. Like, stuff Jason happened. Jason Statham you know? was just kind of like putzing through the movie and punching people in the face. Aubrey Plaza was trying her darndest with, like, material that just doesn't seem like it's her forte in any way, shape, or form. Like every uh, moment I, with, oh, go ahead. I was just like every moment with Aubrey Plaza. It's like she's close to break hacking into something, and they kept showing it and showing it and showing it, and eventually it just kind of got old. Yeah, and I mean, Josh Hartnett was fun, but like not nearly as fun as he could have been playing this like dorky, larger than life actor that he was playing. He could have like leaned into it harder. And I couldn't even tell you the one. There's like the sniper guy. Couldn't even tell you his name. Uh, and Carrie yeah. Elways, who was like a big part of the first act of the movie, and then by the end, he completely disappears until the final scene. It's just like it, this movie didn't really know what it wanted to be, it was just yet another spy thriller movie in the vein of like Mission Impossible, 
It's almost like Guy Ritchie's version, but Guy Ritchie has had like ne- nearly everything he's written has been better than this. Like there is nothing special about the writing. There was nothing really super humorous. There was one major fight scene, which was really disappointing in an action movie. Like it's an action spy thriller. And there was like one car chase, really. I just didn't know what he was. I mean, I kind of understand why they were just delaying, delaying, delaying this. And then eventually we're like, someone just buy it and put it out for us, please. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's really kind of all like I have to add to it. I mean, we'll talk about Guy Ritchie in a month, though. (laughs) That's I am sure of. But yeah, now we can hit the, uh, we can step into the rain and and throw some punches at at one of the better better sports film, uh, Creed. I mean, back <laughs> back in the rain we are with with a directed feature of Michael B. Jordan, and right off the bat, highest grossing sports film of all time for opening weekend. Uh, worldwide gross is already over a hundred. I mean, right today it's creeping past like seventy two, but over the weekend, doubled its projections. I saw a lot of people were like, oh, it's gonna hit gonna hit mid 30s and it pops out near 60 mil and it just goes to show you that people are interested in not just this character uh they're just interested in this universe and the fact that they could do this without rocky and sylvester stallone is very impressive there's reasons why he's not a part of it and i mean it makes sense i am real excited with what michael B. jordan was able to uh, bring us with this with this new uh addition to it the third one is usually kind of where he could either stale a franchise or or obviously take it to another place. And I think he does that, especially with the addition of Jonathan Majors playing his adversary. And I mean, it it was it was fun. I mean, I, I did, it definitely got what I wanted out of it. Um, added the action, the close up boxing scenes to feel more, you know, new and not just the same old stuff. And for his first time directing, I mean, dude, I was impressed. I mean, really was his his acting might have taken a step by so you can get more of Jonathan Majors' presence because he's just so huge and takes over everything. But there was a lot of moments where I was just like, this movie is awesome. And I I feel like if you just weren't a fan of the other one, like Creed is different because Creed is very much like blend with Rocky. But like I, if, if you weren't much of a fan of Creed 2, I don't know if this one's going to be for you. So that's just kind of how how that works. Um, no, no shame, I guess. No hard fat feelings, but this is just now for people that are a part of, of what Michael B. Jordan is and he's just getting started. Like he's still a young actor and now he's a young filmmaker and I can't wait to see furthermore we have of not just Adonis Creed, but Michael B. Jordan wanting to actually do that character because he already came out saying he wants to do a fourth one. And I think we can get maybe five. Like I think this one could easily um, be our generation's Rocky cliche enough. Right. Well, you said at the beginning that Sylvester Stallone or like you could make this without Sylvester Stallone, but they didn't ever ask if they should make it without Sylvester Stallone. And yeah, I know it's just he's not in him because producer man is a dick hole or something. I think his name's like Irving or something. Uh, And. I mean, Stallone said he would come back if he was gone and removed off the project. And I don't know the legality of that whole situation, but if Universal or Warner Brothers or whoever makes the Rocky movies was smart, they would kick his ass off and bring Stallone on. That's, I mean, no one's coming to see Irving. What's his face. They want to see Rocky in a, in a Rocky franchise movie. And that was my one big gripe with this movie is how they kind of just brushed past 
the beating heart of the franchise, which was the relationship between Creed and Rocky and that father, like that surrogate father son relationship that they had. And like, you're just not even going to touch on that even in the slightest in this movie. And I felt like that was a real shame. The only saving grace of this movie was like you said, Jonathan Majors stepping up and being probably the franchise's best villain. Like not just Creed movies, but I'm saying from Rocky one onward, this is probably the best, most complex character uh, that they've ever had actually be a villain. They've actually went in depth in like his psyche and his past and made someone formidable for Creed to go up against here in this final moments of the, of the movie in this, in that boxing match that is apparently reminiscent of anime, according to Michael B. Jordan, which if you're going to keep making these movies, you got to find new ways of shaking it up and like making sure that these fight scenes stay fresh. And they definitely did that with this one. And I mean, I just, there was a lot of things to love, but there was just a glaring hole in the middle of this movie that is going to affect people and specifically my reception of it. And that is, that can only be, be filled by Sylvester Stallone. And they also pulled another Angela Bassett where they took like the older, like elderly black mother character and killed her off just for a dramatic scene in like the, that forces the third act. They literally did the th same thing as Wakanda forever. And I, that, and I noticed that when I was watching it and I was like, does this feel earned in the moment? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that to myself just before we started recording. And when I was rereading my review and I was like, in all fairness, I think both moments are earned, but do they feel like it's how you want to see these characters go out in only to serve the other characters? And I was like, nah. Because like this mom, like the Creed's mom, and it's not even his real mom. It's like the woman who was married to his father, who his father cheated on him. Uh, and he is like her illegitimate son. And, but she has been, she has also been like that, that backbone for Creed's character throughout the first two movies. And now she's just gone. And so we're going to go into the fourth one. And He's going to have no mentor characters whatsoever besides maybe his boxing trainer guy who he's like his dad was uh, like Apollo Creed's uh, trainer. But anyways, I mean, they're like I said, I have these little gripes here and there. But like all in all, this is still, in my opinion, the best movie I've watched of 2023. Uh, yeah, I wasn't really too shocked just with how many films been released so far. And I I think this one um like expectations were met and i think that was important for the rocky films and with, obviously with the creed ones and it's funny how we say that because like some of the rocky movies are not good uh especially yeah. towards the tail end and so this one it was nice to kind of get that that rejuvenation into the franchise and i mean who doesn't like looking at michael B. jordan and jonathan majors especially where they're they're at in their uh careers they got nothing to worry about right yeah Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Jonathan Majors is coming off of like a month where two of his movies grossed a hundred million opening week, mm -hmm. back to yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, it, and yep, and he has. I I just read that he has signed on to be in. Um, he had one. He has one more movie coming out this year for Magazine Dreams, which is actually why he's been in this 
ridiculous shape. Um, and I've heard interesting things about that one. He also apparently yesterday just signed on to play Dennis Rodman and the journey of like how he disappeared and went to Vegas and Michael Jordan had to like go out and get him or like that. He knew he would be back, nothing to worry about. And then the day before, I guess over the weekend, he signed on to be in Spike Lee's new joint, which I am going to be all on for with about you? life imitates art. When he play he plays the understudy of a Broadway production. He finds himself willing to kill for the lead role. And I, I think that just, that has what it sounds black. Swanee. Spike Lee's black. I mean, that's going to be something. Spike so Lee's I'm, black swan. Spike Lee's I'm, blacker swan. I, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think we've had season tickets for him for a long time and we're going to keep watching him uh, grow. All right. My question to you then what do you want out of a Creed yeah. 4? Because I got two Creed ideas. Ford? Oh, I I thought of a um oh, I had a fighter in mind. Uh this won't take me too long. You 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 use your first because like so my first I can one, only think of my like, first one is how they intro obviously they introduce his daughter character in like a more she uh, she's older than we saw her in Creed 2, and now like they're building their relationship and she's a young girl and he's teaching her how to fight. Uh what if Creed 4 is a million dollar baby-esque fight like He's training his daughter to be a female fighter, and she gets. Nope, no comment. Well, my other idea is you in Rocky Four's vein, you have him fight the bit the biggest baddest fighter from North Korea to stop the conflict between our rivaling nations, uh, in a in a in a in a Noah holds barred fight in North Korea, for democracy. Like they did with with Rocky Four. That's funny. Uh, I mean, I I I thought of um a fighter that would be interesting for him to go up against. Uh, in Jake Paul, terms of like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 don't don't do that. Um, no, I mean, I, I who guy that had a pretty hot twenty twenty two, you can say, um, Jay Ellis. I think he could, he doesn't have that, you know, he's tall and slim. He doesn't have that giant physique thing, but I think it'd be kind of interesting to bring more rope into it. The thing we didn't even talk about though, with, um, with Creed three, was that, you know, Jonathan Major's character had history with Creed and he, we learned that he was supposed to be the boxer and Adonis kind of ruined, like, took that after, you know, we wow. made a decision that Majors took in his hand. And I think, that's an interesting, you know, uh, obviously character development, character growth that we got with it. And pretty, I mean, cliche for all things go with Hollywood, but there's a story out there. I haven't really dipped deep into it. I'm just more interested in like, oh, who are they going to get for him to fight? And that'd be kind of, that'd be kind of neat. And well, the other thing though, too, is like in this film, he retired and like went off the books for like three years. I mean, his body's not old, so it's going to be interesting um, if this fight like is like, well, I'm gonna be back in the fight. I'm not like fully retired, like pulls a Tom Brady. I don't know. I'm well. You already I'm pulled a Tom Brady. Just don't in go. This one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. don't uh, don't pull a, a Rocky Balboa where you're like 20 years retired and you see a virtual simulation of you losing and you want to get back in the ring to prove it. <laughs> well, that is that one after he has a street fight against Tommy Gun. 
I think it, it is. Because really you're, you're, talk, you're talking about Rocky Balboa. That's the one I still mm-hmm. haven't seen, actually. Really? I have not seen the I know. I'm pretty sure I know Adrian dies in that one. Yes. Anyways. I think it's off screen. Moving into our next conversation, um, the movie we've watched very in the last six hours, pretty much it feels like because we uh watched a related night last night, and it's a movie that sold us by the trailer alone because we didn't know anything about it until I saw the trailer at least. And all we knew it was Adam Driver, laser guns, and dinosaurs, and like that, I was sold. That's all you. That's three, three for three. You don't even need to do nothing else in this movie. And you know what they actually did, which was disappointing for me. But the movie I am discussing is sixty-five, which is the story of Adam Driver's character, who is from a distant world in space, that we are. Very unaware of, apparently, and he is on a mission to transport a bunch of people in cryostasis. He's the pilot, uh, in, very much in the vein of, of Alien, having to transport these people in cryostasis, or or the movie Passengers, if you've seen that one. Why do you keep... Far out, like, nowhere close to what we're talking about here. Passengers is, to me, one of the funniest movies to reference, because, like, if you know what that movie is... You understand the joke, and if you don't know what that movie is, you get thoroughly confused, and I just find that entertaining. But anyways, um, he he gets hit by a couple of rocks, and his plan and his spaceship crashes on a planet, and we quickly find out that this planet is Earth, but it's Earth sixty five million years ago with the dinosaurs. So. You gotta imagine the situation this man is put in. He's a man from the a future space world with his laser guns and special technology, but he's like running around this forest and getting viciously mauled and attacked by various dinosaurs and bugs. And just he's having a real hard time, man. This dude does not catch a break even once through this entire movie. Um but we we it's it's not just him it's him and a a young child sidekick we find out and once that kid character was introduced I, there was an inescapable uh idea running through my brain of how, of how this is very much a Andrew Dry or Andrew Adam Driver movie attempt at being Pedro Pascal where it's like a a suave stoic actor taking care of a child fighting monsters with a gun uh because that's what pedro pascal's bread and butter has been lately and this is another version of that all this being said i still i really enjoyed this movie and was thought it was pretty entertaining and i love the runtime you gotta love a movie that's not afraid to be under 90 minutes and this didn't need any other like you didn't need anything more from this movie really at all and I really enjoyed that. And also, I learned how to do this. Like one second. Wait, just one second. That's see. Did you hear that? I heard nothing. I can whistle through my hands now, folks. Thanks to this movie, and I will never forgive, forget that. Uh, and I think that will forever make me love this movie because I could never do that until like the first few minutes of this movie, and now I can, and it makes me so happy. Anyways. The, uh, yeah, 
I mean, movie is 90 minutes long and it goes right from the beginning. You get a quick little backdrop of like what his character means and what he's kind of fighting for. And then it's off. And I think it's just really exciting. You learn that like while he's crashed into Earth um, after a really nice like 15 minute opening title sequence in some way where the title finally appears. um, Bring that back into movies because it's always a fun twist. Uh, he happens to crash land here right before the asteroid that wipes out the dinosaurs. And so, you know, it's a race against time for him to find a vessel to get off. And it's just really kind of exciting just watching Adam Driver fight dinosaurs. This is what, you know, Jurassic World films were trying to do the last couple of times. And, and if I were to add anything differently, it would just be more of him fighting dinosaurs. But we still got a lot of that. I mean, the T-Rex third act fight was fucking sick and i think adam driver is on that pace of like he could be an action star if he chooses it but he could also be you know hollywood's leading man in oscar bait films and i'm completely fine with whatever path he chooses and you know in the meantime he can do franchise material if need be and i i'm all for what this guy has done done to build his career so far and i look forward to everything he has coming uh i mean he's going to be in michael mann's new film coming up next and you know how i feel about that with ferrari and so um i was on board for from the get-go when i heard that he was attaching to this one and it involved him with dinosaurs so i i think this is like you know for anyone that's looking for something to watch this week and like this is not a bad book wait you threw me off because you said watch and then called it a book and i was like god damn it anyways i said book bad book all right anyways I mean, yeah, it's like, it's hard. It's hard not to enjoy this movie because like there and I'm going to be honest, Sam Raimi being executive producer, I got to believe he had a hand in some of the jump scares that happened because there were some genuinely great jump scare moments that totally caught. Like, I know specifically one that totally caught us off guard both, but this is definitely something you could easily take the risk on like yeah it may be not a big budget marvel movie or the next big like cart like animated mario brothers but this is seems like a pretty big budget movie with a like constrained cast a great idea and it was executed very well and if you think maybe you might be interested in like anything be- between like i said at the beginning if you're interested in adam driver or dinosaurs, or laser guns, or uh, pro- like media about father figures and, and young children who have to survive, this is right up your alley, and you should definitely check it out. And also, you'll learn how to do this. Yeah, that kind of takes us into our final cut of the newly installed films for the time being um dab six came out um you, just you are really stab. busting it i know purposely did oh um uh, here here we are folks another scream film uh didn't think i would see more of these but we are and um, less than a year so later when, you do yeah and and i know one of your biggest gripe was like how this film is set around halloween and it comes out in march knowing that this film is going to make money this weekend and it has a solid month of March to do so. 
they could announce a seven and they could have they could pump that out next October. Like ah, that no could be chance. a pretty solid Halloween film. It I mean I'm curious I'm, I'm, a- I'm under the impression horror movies should exclusively come out in the month of October. It's when you're trying to feel spooky. But that doesn't mean this movie didn't do enough for me uh, in that department. Well, what's funny is, so the first Scream came out in December. That's funny. Uh, the second one came out in December. The third one came out in February. The fourth one came out in April. The f- fifth one came out last January, and this one came out in March. But my, to my recollection, to my recollection, none of them have like a scene that takes place on Halloween. No, you're not wrong. I mean, I feel like if you're confident in your horror franchise, you can release it whenever. Um, uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, this film it it brings uh, the core four that you know survived the last one, and and they bring them to New York and follow their college journey. Yeah, um, who knew along four of them the survived from the last movie? Yeah, I mean, Chad was dead. Like, there's no ifs ands and buts. I about thought, it. dude, I almost want to go like rewatch the scene after this on Paramount Plus. It. I, I am almost certain back. his girlfriend, exactly, and his girlfriend comes running in and is like, I just found him dead. And then she gets well, shot she just by saw him like She just saw him, like, on the ground. Like, she probably didn't even go to him. But, but there like, yeah, any... I don't know. I got yeah. I can't. This film uh, brings the return of Courtney Cox's Gale and Hayden Penitentiary's Kirby from the fourth one. Uh, she is now... Uh, a surviving member of the Ghostface Horror Killings, and she is also an FBI agent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, here's the thing, man. The, the fact that they, the, the, uh, there is a moment I want, at the very end where she's like, ah, you're part of this big weird family. Don't glorify this group of victims as like a exclusive club. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that uh, moment rubbed me a little weird, but anyways. They, uh, famously, there's no there's no Nev Campbell, uh, because she they would not give her the bag, which, I mean, it kind of I don't even know how you would, she didn't even fit in the fifth one, like right. I, I like you really could like I like she was just only there to that. be there, and and it would have been I like not to like really go off topic here, but I think, uh, what they should have done with how we have these legacy characters and how they break the rules and yada 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 yada, a really like neat opening kill for the last two films would have been killing the legacy characters like in the fifth one you kill dewey and then in this one you kill gail and like that's how you bring it more full circle in what in a way and rather than like teasing it towards the right before the third act kicks off like i think when you always want to have fun with like we're going to get this actress to play the lead uh that's going to get like the drew barrymore part um and I, I don't know, Legacy would have been, that would have been kind of, that would have kind of dope, I think. And hey, they have one more to do it, but they, I, I mean, I, I don't think Nev Campbell's coming back to this one. I think they really pissed her off and she's got to stand her ground. Again, I think, if um, they give, I think if they give her enough money to die in the last one and like have it end the thing, then die. you're good. There's, I mean, there's a lot of, um, we get, we've in that realm of what I was just saying though. So, you know, spoilers, but not really spoilers. Samara Weaving. And Tony Ravola, Laura played like the two famous. Uh, no, uh, Tony Ravioli. Tony Ravioli, cool. So Ravioli. It, it it picks up um, rather quickly though, right after that, because then you get back to the characters. And I, I would say 
before we dive into spoilers, uh, the first half, two thirds of this film, I was kind of on board with because they kept setting up someone in particular to be the killer, and I was so on board for it, dude. Like they didn't, it, they it didn't makes so really sense. They set it. it up. No, I'm just, I'm just. We saying, were right in the narrative. You don't talk about it so much. I'll admit, I agree with you, but I was writing the narrative on my own. It wasn't that they were setting it up. Because that's one thing. Um, yeah. The screen and, movies uh, never really, like, give you the clues to figure it out at the end. They just kind of, like, dump who it is on you by the end of the movie and let them spiel it out. It's it's really, uh, unless you, like, you have to have a membership or login with Ancestry.com to know who the killer is. And you don't have that. So they're just like, oh, this is a killer. And it makes sense because we're going to give you a quick two-sentence monologue about how that is and for this Why film restricting that it to two ticks sentences. me off because i'm just i'm just it's stupid all right bill like, I, I, so I here's gave it, i gave it the benefit of the doubt in the last one and in this one i'm like and people complain that the killer in the third one was horrible this is the same damn thing no the third one is worse i am i'm very committed that the third one is worse and they were like how is it different i this? feel like it was making it because it's more of a stretch Are we are we do, are we in stretch. the moment? I mean, do you have anything you want to add though? In the because right. like there's nothing to talk about with Scream unless you want to talk about the fucking killer reveal. Well, that's really what changed the narrative for us. If we're gonna be totally honest, because I was very much on board with the story and where it was going. I didn't know who the killer was gonna be. I had some guesses, but in the end, I wasn't totally correct. And I kind of like how that ended up being the circumstance. But here's the big spoiler warning for the ending of this movie and the reveal of who the Ghostface killer or killers in this specific movie was. So, obviously, in Scream 5, we learned that Richie and that Amber Chick were the killers in those movies. And they were doing it because Richie was such a huge fan. Both of them were such a huge fan of the stab franchise that they felt like they needed to make their own version. And they were so self-obsessed with the, with like those movies that they started murdering in the, in the vein of them. In this movie, the reveal of the thing is the characters that we have been sprinkling through the entire movie, basically anyone new who showed up to this group of like people that was not a legacy scream character or a character from Scream 5, basically. They ended up all being related. Brother, sister, dad. And they are the relatives of the deceased character played by Jack Quaid in Scream 5, Richie. And they are getting revenge on Samantha and, and Tara and all their friends because they blame them for Richie's death. I mean, because Sam literally stabbed her 22 times. Now, I find the connection between five and four or five and six, that makes sense. That's a that's a decent connective through line between those two movies. When you're in three yeah, and I never he's said just it, like, it didn't make sense. And when you're in, but when you're in three and he's like, not only am I the director of the stab movies, I'm also your brother. That it's like what what are you doing? Yeah, Why yeah, what's welcome that, to that, that makes that makes actually no sense. I understand, but that's horror. why I can get down with this reveal more than the third. You get down with this reveal because you were just with the character in the previous one. 
Like, I'm not yeah. playing this game here where you're trying to drag me across town and skid what? my knees. How is this any like, worse oh, than introducing a family of four? How is this any worse than introducing Billy Loomis's mom out of nowhere? Who she wasn't even in the movie until they took off the mask. That the was second more one. of a homage to Friday the Thirteenth, but sure, I understand. But it's but still not as like thought this out. This is baloney. Like you have the guy. You the just wanted it to be Spider, but it wasn't me. The, the kid, the kid that they had play Spider in fucking Avatar. Like well, he's not a kid anymore. He was so isolated in this entire film, and yet he was in their circle. And then you're gonna tell me after multiple times where people are like you're the killer, you're the killer, you're the killer, and then he is a killer, and then he has a flip script where he's not so shy and he's fucking psycho. Like I hated that. That's every so stupid. That's and every time. Dead, and you have the <laughs> dead roommate. You, you, well, just be a good actor. You have a dead roommate. That made sense where the cops like I had to get there to switch the body out. I that was fine, but just no, like it it should have just been. I mean, at least their physiques made sense for when they attacked and when they killed people in like the previous one. Yeah, that um, dude. I literally when I, I, that was my review for my last rewatch is like, dude, Amber couldn't be killing or knocking people over. Her stature is just wrong. There, there, uh. Early in the film, when you have Sam and shoot, like she went to go see the therapist character, her therapist, and she only told, besides her sister, who you know is not going to be ghost based, she only told Dermot Maroney, the detective, the first detective that we meet, like she only told him her alibi. So, like, when he kill, gets killed, it's kind of like, oh, well, I mean, if I'm playing the game of, of who's ghost face, here we go. This makes sense. You just don't know. If it was him or I guess uh, his two kids, which I, I just it they tease earlier that the roommate uh, Bailey she's talked about how her brother died, but you didn't know who her brother and like we kept thinking oh it could be Stu, but does the math check out? It doesn't yep, matter. It couldn't be Stu. Stream. See that again? That's us just wanting it to be that it couldn't have been Stu. That that the ages do not make any sense, and like yeah, but now. Now I'm thinking again. All right, let's play this game again. Scream Seven. What? Like I, I think it's it should Stu. be. It should definitely. It should definitely be Stu trying to finish the job and taking revenge out on Sydney and Gail and like actually ending them. And he, but they show. I also think they could add the layer of him trying to recruit Sam to be his accomplice, his second in command. Well, yeah. For some reason, they're teasing that like. Way too much, if you ask me. I thought that should have. Um, it was left, nice just having the was, Billy right. Loomis, and, and it was fine in the fifth one. I think they could have gotten rid of it by this time. So, they, what's really cool about this movie, though, is that they have this shrine, like this old, broken down movie yeah. theater shrine of like everything from the previous installments oh, as collectible items. To that you know, one way to collect memorabilia for something you enjoy. And I thought it was really cool and neat. And they had they showed so much stuff with like Sue. Stew, and you saw his robe and the you know the supposed TV that busted over his head, but that thing barely looked cracked. barely looked cracked. So I I mean there is a really nice opportunity here, and the only reason why I kept thinking it was Stu is besides the little blue ball moments that they gave us early in the film. Matthew Lillard's been very like he could have been in, in a coma this whole time. Reunion. That's and he's been out there talking a lot about Scream with Jamie Kennedy. Who I Jamie I know, Kennedy, like, I can't right think time, come, he's not gonna come back. 
No, he's not because they they brought back his nephew, niece and nephew, right. which is nice. But I, I mean, Scream Seven. Listen, it it could work. You know, I mean, better than this. Uh, you get Sam and her. You get the core four going somewhere, and the new you know the new member Danny, which you know, cool. You get you get them doing something maybe outside of New York. I know maybe like what would be kind of neat is what if they went on like some road trip that obviously this is just fresh in my head because you know we just finished this movie not even eight hours ago what if they go on some like road trip to a cabin and they're attacked by Ghostface at a at a, like a campsite just like friday the third or friday the 13th or he could get them in their dreams um or they go I to Antarctica like wasn't a bad thing yeah, going out of uh, Woodsboro wasn't the bad thing. I feel like they could switch the destination up, maybe actually go to California. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. There no, will be a would just be doing um, the thing. No, dude, that would literally just be doing three. And I and well, I gotta imagine well, that's, that's what they're gonna do because they re- they they, 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 well, they, they said it in this they one. acknowledged the college yeah. thing in this one for sure. So yeah, I gotta I gotta that guess that they're gonna end up in Hollywood and, if there's a third one. And the first, you know, in in Scream Five. You know, the boyfriend was the killer, which is exactly how it was in the first and one. And I like, mean, Gail wrote another soul. book. Yeah, like maybe. So when the casting comes out for Scream 7, watch out. Whoever gets that director job is probably going to be the killer. But no, I seriously think Stu needs to wake up out of a coma that he's know, been man. in for the last I, I mean, 30 I'm years. Not like, I don't highly anticipate these films, but I'm going to always watch them. And there's still something that like gets me like rolling because this film this franchise lives off of its you know reveals like right this is the killer this is the killer like it lives off of that and so maybe one of these days like it's it's really nice what i did enjoy what i really enjoyed about this film is that it shows you the killers in the previous installments and so for people that haven't watched scream 2 scream 3 and scream 4 it must suck having something spoiled for you even though you had the opportunity to watch it how many times ago Wow, I don't feel bad for him. I don't. This is fucking sarcasm. This fault. I literally laughed. I, you, you didn't. You probably didn't even see it, but like when they showed all the killers on the I whiteboard, I was like, "This is what you get." And then he made the comment. He has the audacity to tell me, "Oh yeah, man, there's two killers. There, there, I know there's two killers." And I look at him like, "You do not have the right or the clarification to know how many there are because you do not. We have not watched any of these fucking movies, anyways." Truth. I feel like I haven't done that in a while. Truth bomb dropped um yeah i mean this movie's gonna this this movie's gonna make a lot of money i i mean they're projecting i don't know about a lot dude each week 50s, there's some decent competition nice. coming out okay folks we are not in the 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 era of like these movies making 100 mil opening weekend that's not the content no i under i these dude, are low I, budget I, films i get that these are low budget films and they're decently like 50 million opening weekend is very good for a film like very good and people think that that is like, oh, it did bad. It did bad. No, it didn't. That is very good for the industry when you can make, make like, I would say above 20 mil opening weekend. That is solid. Because a lot of times you're already getting halfway to your bu- your production budget and you're making a profit. And I, I think this film is easily going to make, coming out of March, this film will be up there in terms of, like, what the other films uh, make. Like, the last one, Scream 5, it made, like, I think 80 in its run. For the U.S. Domestic, like that's very solid, and that's why these horror films can always make sequels because it doesn't cost that much to make. And maybe once people realize that, they can finally shut their fucking mouth. Yeah, 
I got, I'm, I got nothing. Okay. Then let's move on to the recommendations and get out of here. Uh, what do you got? Well, I could recommend something, but I could also tease another thing. Um, folks, the Oscars are Sunday night. Hopefully mm-hmm. you're listening to this before that happens, but if not, mm-hmm. that's fine. Sexy. Uh, Next week, we'll obviously break it all down. I think we'll do nothing but talk about the Oscars, which will be kind of neat because we already saw these films. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just I want to recommend. Um, let me make sure because there's a TV show that I want to recommend. And well, then I'll make mine movies. real quick. I watched basketball as of recently, and I fucking love basketball. I love everything South Park and Matt Stone and Trey Parker. They, I've been like on a deep dive on their shit, and I, I just watch baseball again, basketball again. Mm. And not only do I want to play that game so fucking bad, uh, I think this movie is one of like the most underrated sports comedies of all time. Uh, it is just terribly funny, and like you see those like sprinklings of the South Park humor throughout the entire thing, and those two guys are just great. I wish they weren't so totally deep and invested in South Park so they could do more things like that. But yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take the liberty to do this real quick. But there's a TV show on Apple called Trinking with Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, Jessica Williams. I think this is one of the better runs of like comedy drama that we got. I think if you're a fan of Ted Lasso, you will love this show. It is really you know, something uplifting to watch that is is nice that Apple has given us, um, especially watching Harrison Ford do comedy. I never thought I would enjoy. But what I wanted to also, I want to recommend that, but also I just want to do a quick shout out here because uh, I talked to you about this and this is the only like true platform I could say this, I guess, to, uh, for folks to listen. But I recently rewatched Whiplash and I had this interesting theory after watching it where this whole film, you have Miles Teller's character trying to earn the respect from J.K. Simmons' Flesher, and he he can never he can never get it. He can never get that. And up until the very end, when he finally like breaks custom and goes at him in his own game, and the last shot, you just see Eyeline looking at each other. I, I think that this is more so where Miles Teller was wanting to be like, you know, this good drummer and this good musician and was wanting to do, you know, good, 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 good. He was playing the game, uh, I guess, the wrong way. And I think in that moment, at the end, he learns to play the game that Fletcher likes. And I think that turns him into this new Fletcher. Like, I, I think that it doesn't really, like, obviously say it. But it's really neat to look at it where, like, maybe at the end of this film, when it cuts off, he becomes a Fletcher type where... He actually, you know, if this is how I'm going to get the respect I want, I can do that. And I think Miles Teller can knock that part out of the, out of the park. Like, imagine in 15 years, we get like a whiplash two of some kind, and it's, and it's Miles Teller playing this bad guy. Like, I think that'd be really, really, really cool. And, I mean, J.K. Simmons was very menacing in that, that role, and it was really neat to rewatch that. Um, it That movie is so, so good. So good. And I thought, how neat. And for the longest time, that wasn't streaming. I think that's a film that should always consistently be streaming. Because, like, back when Babylon came out, I, I, wrote, about I wanted to rewatch it. I wanted to rewatch it, and, like, it wasn't streaming. And it's like, well, I'm not home to put my, you know. Oh, well. That's why, it's, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I think physical media should never die. It's like, yeah, you can stream most things, but, like, eventually you won't be able to. That shit moves around so fucking often, you can never find anything. Right. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for coming to another episode. It's not a super long episode, but guess what? We'll probably end up having to record a two hour plus episode for the Oscars. So you'll get to enjoy well, that. Then, well, folks. What we'll do is, well, we could do Oscars. You can edit this part up. I'll let you finish first. <laughs> but yeah, that'll be all, folks. Thank you. There you go. Bye.